Lent will end with a great celebration of Easter, of Jesus rising from that tomb alive again. I hope you'll be there to celebrate that day with us. But there's, but there's some moments and some places that we need to stop at and see on that journey before we get to the empty tomb. We need to stop at the cross. You gotta go through the cross to get to the tomb. And there's some other places where we need to see Jesus in this journey. One of those is in John chapter 17. Take out your Bibles if you would. Turn to John 17. If you're using the Bibles in front of you there, it's page 1049 in front of you. John 17. You see, in this, in this section of Scripture, the Apostle John Let's us listen in on a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in the upper room, right? They just finished the Lord's Supper together, the Passover Supper, and, and in just a few moments, Jesus is going to be betrayed, he's going to be arrested, and then the next day he will be crucified and killed. In John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, are all the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples on that night as he shares with them the final truth he wants them to know. This is his last conversation with them. This is what he wants them to carry with them before before they face the most challenging three days at the lever chase. This is what he wants them to know before they are entrusted with the kingdom purposes of God to carry into all the world. Some very important words because we get to hear the deepest desires of Jesus' heart. And here in chapter 17, we hear him praying. He wraps up this whole conversation with prayer, and John writes it down for us. These are his deepest desires that he's asking God the Father for. When he's done with this prayer, they're going to leave to the garden, and he'll be arrested. So what does Jesus pray for at this moment? Well, notice, first of all, how Jesus ends chapter 16, okay? He's got this whole teaching, chapters of teaching to the disciples, and, and he, he promises them in that teaching. He promises them comfort. He tells them that they're going to have a, a painful loss, but victory is on their way. He warns them about the opposition that's going to come and face them. He assures them of the coming Holy Spirit that will comfort and empower them. Then he gives them these honest words at the very end of chapter 16. We referred to them last Sunday as well. Verse 33, it says, says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then he has this prayer, chapter 17. And he begins in verses 1 through 5 by praying for himself, right? Knowing the torture knowing the temptation that he's about to face, he prays that God might give him the strength and the courage to finish this task that God has given him, to, to glorify God through it. Okay, so he prays for himself. Then he prays for his 11 disciples who are gathered around him in that room in verses six through 19. And he asks God to protect them. Give them strength, protect them. Let them stay faithful through the painful trials they're about to experience. And then come verses 20 through 26, where Jesus is praying for you and for me. Right? right? Verse 20 says that, that he's praying for all who will believe in me through their message. That means 
He's praying for you specifically. I mean, isn't that stunning? Just think about that for a moment. In this final moment before Jesus is arrested, before he's going to die, who does he have on his mind? You and me. This is a prayer specifically for us. And what does he pray for? What does he pray for for us? It's fascinating to me that he doesn't pray that you and I might be faithful. He doesn't pray that we might be strong and bold. Those are great prayers. That's not what he asks for here at this moment. The one desire above all else that he asks for for you and for me at this key moment is he prays that we might be one, that we might be united as one body and one family, and that we might live passionately for one cause and one purpose. Listen to the start of his prayer, verse 20, 20 through, through 23. Hear what he has to say. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them, that's us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, isn't that interesting? In those three verses, this desire for unity isn't just you know, one thing in the list of things that Jesus is praying for. It is the one thing. The one thing. He says it three times, right? Verse 21, I pray that all of them may be one, Father. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as, I, as we are one. Verse 23, he says, may they be brought to complete unity. This passionate prayer of Jesus should make us stop for a moment. It should make us stop and reflect on our lives and our community. It is Jesus' deepest passion that we are one, that we live in love and unity, that we share the spirit and the purpose of God together, and that all these other differences that pull us apart be subjected to that unity. So it should make us pause here and say, if it's this important to Jesus, we should ask how we're doing. How are we doing in our unity? Honestly, we got a ways to go, don't we? Because we live with barriers all over in our lives. We set up walls that divide us. Right? We're, you can see it denomination-wide, right? We, we divide ourselves by religious tradition and style. We're divided by skin color and race. We're divided by gender and orientation. We're divided by social standing, the poor and the rich. We're divided by age, young and old. We're divided by the style of music that we like. We're divided often by the grudges that we carry, right? the, the bitterness that we have nursed for years and years so that that relationship with that person, there's a wall between us. And sometimes we like to keep it that way because it's a lot more comfortable for us, isn't it? A lot more comfortable 
to be with people who we have segmented into our own little compartment, <laughs> to be with people that we like and who like us, to be with people who look and feel and think like us. But Jesus in this prayer did not pray for us to be comfortable. It's not there. Jesus prayed passionately that we would be one. He prayed for unity, for oneness with each other and with God. He prayed for it, and then he went to the cross and he died for it. He died to make this unity possible. He died on that cross so that all of us together might be community, so that we might be one in purpose, so that we might truly learn how to love each other. It's by his wounds on the cross that you and I are united. As we see a picture of that in Ephesians chapter 2, take your Bibles back out if you would. Turn a little further on to Ephesians chapter 2, page 1134, 1134. Because here in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul shares Jesus' passion for unity, for oneness within the church. It's impossible to miss that in these verses we're going to read. But what we do often miss in this call to unity is Paul's emphasis again and again on what makes this unity even possible. So look at Ephesians 2. We're going to read verses 11 through 22. Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, not done in the body by the hands of men, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came to preach peace, to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so so if you've been here for the last few weeks for this Lent season, you know that we've already learned together that by Jesus' wounds on the cross, we are healed. Right? By his wounds, we find wholeness from our brokenness. We learned last week that through Jesus' wounds on the cross, you and I have been redeemed. We're bought back for God. Right? His blood was the price that had to be paid. 
And now here Paul tells us, he tells us clearly that by Jesus' wounds on the cross, we are united as one. He makes it clear that it's the blood of Jesus that breaks down the strongholds, that breaks down the barriers that separate us. How does that work? Well, well, Paul tells us. See, in this passage, Paul is addressing the division that has existed for centuries between the Jews and the Gentiles, right? From the very time of Abraham, hundreds of years earlier, there's been a clear division between God's chosen people and everyone else. Between those who are Jewish and those who are Gentile. Between those who are in and those who are out. And this division has been ingrained in their minds, in their culture, in their way of life. It's always been that way. But now, Paul says, through Jesus, they need to reset their minds, and they need to reset their culture, and they need to reset their way of life, and and come together as one. Well, if they're going to change the way they've always done it, if they're going to reshape this way of living, they're going to need to know why. (laughs) They're going to need to have some clear reason to do things differently from the way they've always been done, to suddenly welcome those who they have always kept away. And Paul gives them that reason. He points to the wounds of Jesus Christ on the cross again and again in this passage. Right? First of all, he does it in, in verse 13. Verse 13, he tells us that it is through the blood of Christ. Did you catch that? It's through the blood of Christ that we have been brought together. You know, all those things in life, and there's many of them, all those things that push us apart, all those things that divide us, Paul says, are powerless in the face of the blood of Jesus. Right? But blood has a way of doing that. What's the phrase we know? The phrase we say often is, is blood is thicker than water, Right? The, the blood relationships you have with family, they don't fade away. Friendships may come, friendships may go, but blood is thicker than water. You stick together. You know, I, sometimes you look at your family members, don't you? Well, maybe only I do this. I look at my family members and I think, man, if they weren't my family, I'm not sure I'd pick them as my friends, right? I'm not sure I'd want to hang out with them, right? And yet they're my family, their blood. And so we come together and we learn to love each other and we do love each other. You know, I, I'm the youngest of five. We were just a bunch of, most of us were together just last night. And I look around the room and I think, we are so different, the five of us. We have different interests. We, have, we see the world from different perspectives. We have different tastes in music. We have different conversations, different passions. We don't look alike. And yet, as different as we might be, we will forever, forever be united by the bond of family, forever linked by the blood that we share. And that is exactly what Paul is telling us the blood of Jesus Christ does for all of us together. It binds us together and unites us as family as the family of God, 
And that's how we need to see each other. That's how you need to see the person sitting next to you and behind you and way across the room from you. We are family united at the foot of the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ. By his wound, we are united. We have his blood running through our veins. And when we truly begin to recognize each other as family, united by blood, then our relationships begin to change dramatically, don't they? Paul, Paul goes on in this passage to tell us how those relationships change. So that's the first thing that Jesus does in this family unit of ours is he abolishes all those divisions that separate us. And listen, listen again to verse 14 and the first half of verse 15. It says, for he, talking about Jesus, he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Those are harsh words. He destroys the barrier. He destroys that dividing wall of hostility. And he does it, Paul says, in his flesh. He does it with his body hung on the cross. He binds us together with his wounds. You know, Paul later gives the Galatian believers a list of divisions, a list of these barriers that no longer count, that are no longer valid in the family of God. He says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no longer male and female division here. You are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is no them and us, Paul says, in this family of God. In this family of God, there is no division of black and white and brown. In this family of God, there is no division of rich and poor, of employer and employee. There is no division in this family of God of young and old. There is no division in this family of God between rich and poor. There, in this family of God, there is no division according to what music you like or don't like, according to what school you go to or don't go to. There's according to how long you've been a member here or if you're brand new here. There is no division on pol whatever your political perspective might be. None of those barriers. They've all been torn down by the body of Jesus Christ hung on that cross. There's no longer them and us. There's only all of us together. All of us together. One family of God linked to the same Father through the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross. That's all that matters. And the blood of Jesus then takes our relationship one step further too. See, Jesus worked on the cross to abolish those divisions between us. He didn't do all that just so we tolerate each other, just so we'd be able to sit in the same room together. No, keep reading the rest of verse 15 and the rest of 16. He says, his purpose, his purpose for doing all this, for tearing down these barriers, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Jesus not only takes down the barriers, but he heals the brokenness that they caused. He brings peace. Through his forgiving blood, Jesus reconciled these divisions that kept us apart for so long, that broke apart the unity of the family. It pulls us together around two powerful rallying points where we connect our hearts. First of all, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't just tolerate each other. Instead, we learn to love each other, truly love each other. That's exactly what Jesus himself said would characterize our community, our family. Right? In John chapter 13, he says, a new command I give to you. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to us, the church. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know that you're in the family of God by your love, by our love. What we experience personally in relationship with Jesus, we now live in relationships with each other. Right? So since we've received grace from God, we now give grace to each other. Since we've received forgiveness from God, we now give forgiveness to each other. Since God has been so patient with us, we're now patient with each other. And since God has given us his great love, overwhelming love, we now overwhelm each other with love, even when it's undeserved, especially when it's undeserved. The love that we have experienced because of Jesus' blood shed on that cross is the love we must now give. Even if that means sacrifice. Even if that means we follow Jesus' patterns, his footsteps, and we experience wounds ourselves in order to love in Jesus' name. We'll be willing to do that because Jesus' blood also rallies us around one common cause, one kingdom purpose. Right? What? Think about this for a moment. Why are you here this morning? Why are you a part this morning of this community of faith, of the family of God here at Ivan Rest Church? There's probably dozens of different reasons of why people are here this morning. Some of you come here often because you like the music. Some of you come because you like the kids' programs for your kids. Some of you are here for the baptism this morning. There's family here that drew you here. Some of you appreciate the opportunities to serve that are given both within the community and outside the world, right? Some of you are here because it's the closest church to your house. Some of you are here because you grew up in this church and you're, you've always come here. Some of you adults are here because your kids like it here and some of you kids are here because your parents like it here. Dozens of reasons of why you're here. But there must be one purpose one passion that trumps them all and brings us together in unity. There's gotta be one. At the cross of Jesus, all these other reasons fade into petty excuses when compared to growing God's kingdom here on this earth. Right, at the cross, 
we see how far Jesus was willing to go, what sacrifice Jesus was willing to make, not so that we would be comfortable, not so that we would be successful in life and rich, not so that we'd just be happy. He did all that so that we could experience God's kingdom right here on this earth and for eternity. And so that through us, we can usher in God's kingdom power to this world through the Holy Spirit moving in us, moving through us, and sharing the truth of his gospel one person at a time. That's what binds us together as brothers and sisters. At the cross of Jesus Christ, there is hope and purpose for us. Because it's at the foot of the cross that every knee is going to bow someday and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's at the foot of the cross that we bow together. And today we confess together, sharing one heart, sharing one mind, sharing one love of the Father, and sharing one purpose, to know him and to make him known, to grow his kingdom. A community that is unified by the wounds of Jesus will share his love and will share his purpose. By his wounds, you and I are united as family. So how are we doing with that? How are we doing being together here at Ivan Rest with a shared love and a shared purpose? Honestly, sometimes we don't do so hot. Let's just speak the truth here this morning, right? Sometimes we have other designs and other plans for our lives, for our church. We have other desires. It's easier sometimes, isn't it, to, to let the barriers remain, right? To, to stay separated from people who maybe make us uncomfortable, people who have, have offended us. They can sit on that side of the church. I'll sit on the other side of the church, and we don't even need to see each other. It's more comfortable that way. Sometimes it's easier to live with the brokenness and the division rather than doing the hard work of forgiving, the hard work of making room for each other with our different perspectives. It's really hard. Sometimes we don't do so well. And sometimes, by God's grace, we get it kind of right. I celebrate when I hear some of you sharing your stories of of forgiveness that you've given when you've been wronged or, or forgiveness that you've received and how relationships have been rebuilt again. That's a barrier torn down. I celebrate when I see young children interacting with senior citizens in the, in the narthex there and in this community. And I see, I see people caring for kids in the nursery and I think those age barriers, those age divisions are coming down. I celebrate when we had the opportunity with, with Family Promise to host those who are temporarily homeless. And I think those barriers that divide us are coming down as we learn to love each other in that way. I celebrate every Thursday night when I come here to play basketball and I see the diversity back there in that gym. I don't make many baskets, 
but I have fun celebrating as the walls of, of race and color come crashing down right here at Ivan Rest Church. I celebrate when I hear some of your life groups, when I hear about how in your life groups you, you're sharing honestly with each other and you're caring deeply for each other. And all this privacy, these privacy barriers and walls that we put up in this community so everybody thinks our lives are perfect, that we've got it all put together, and we smile and we say hi, and those barriers come crashing down in those groups, and we're learning to love each other for who we are, even in the midst of our brokenness and the messiness of life. And I say, yes, we're one family, united by the blood of Jesus Christ. Another barrier brought down. Jesus prayed for unity for us. And then he went and he died to make it possible. And yet we throw it away so quickly, so easily, over things that shouldn't divide us. Jesus' blood is thicker than water. His blood unites us as family, and because we're family, we're rallying around that common love. We're rallying around that common cause, and that's what holds us together. And when that's holding us together, then that forces us to figure out all these secondary things. We can figure them out. We can't give up and let go of each other because Jesus never gave up, and he never let go of us. If Jesus was willing to die for something, Seems like that's something that we should be willing to truly live for. By his wounds, we're united. So ask yourself two things. Where do you need to celebrate a barrier that has come down, a division that's gone? Celebrate that. And where's the next barrier that God is asking you to tear down by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray for that. Would you pray with me? Father, you know the barriers that divide us. You know that some of us had, had a division and a barrier come right to mind. One that clearly needs to come down. And it'll be really easy for us to walk out of here and not do it. Give us the courage, Father, to bring that barrier down, to offer forgiveness, to connect our lives to somebody who we're not connected to. Whatever that is, Lord, give us that courage. Some of us, Father, in that, in that brief moment, we didn't even dare think of one. We didn't let our minds go there. Don't let us, don't let us avoid this question, Father. Jesus, this is something you cared passionately enough that you were willing to die for. Show us how we can live for unity. Show us how we can learn to love each other as we're loved by you. Show us how we can work together for your kingdom purpose as we celebrate being a part of that kingdom. Give us the courage, Father to be united with the cross at the center, with your blood tying us together, truly as family.
Father, we confess and we recognize that apart from you, we are nothing. Apart from you, we're lost. But in Jesus, we're united as family. And we have found our home. So, Father, bring some of us back home again. Maybe for some of us, bring us home for the very first time. And may we work 